Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 109 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. You're Chuck and Coomsey. Threw a little flair on that one because I'm feeling good because the Jays took three or four from the trash birds. That's what they did. They went into Baltimore and reminded the Orioles just who they are. The problem with the Orioles this year is that they're not playing the role we expected them to play, which yeah. is that the Jays were going to play Baltimore, you know, 10 times in September, kick the piss out of them. It was yeah. going to be a nice, easy ride into the playoffs. But for some reason, the Orioles are having a nice little scratchy breakout season, but Rather than going into Baltimore and struggling, what the Jays did is, like I said, reminded the Orioles that they are the trash birds. They increase the distance between them and Baltimore, who's on the outside looking in in terms of the playoff picture. The Orioles now four and a half games back of the Blue Jays because the Jays took three of four, gained two games on them over the last week. Let's get into this thing with our three up, three down for the series against Baltimore, starting with the opener, or should I say openers? It was a Monday doubleheader that saw the Blue Jays put up 15 runs on the Orioles. The bats came alive, and what was maybe more important was that the pitching was solid as well, and in back-to-back games, We gave credit last episode to John Schneider for maneuvering the rotation against Pittsburgh and making it work so you could go Gosman Barrios in a big set of games against Baltimore. It paid off. Gosman goes six and two thirds, only allows two runs, strikes out six. Jose Barrios goes six innings, only allows two runs, only strikes out two in the process. Granted, he gave up eight hits, but still. That was a solid outing from Jose Barrios. Credit to John Schneider. Credit to those two arms for coming through and giving the Jays a couple of quality starts when they needed it. That's exactly what they needed. That's why John Schneider went and did the gymnastics. That's why we had the Trevor Richards, Yusei Kikuchi weird little spot start that we were kind of just like, oh, geez, why are you doing this? You're risking losing a game to the Pittsburgh Pirates, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is why they did it. And they had two of their good veteran pitchers go into Baltimore and start things off right. That really was the it was the key part of the series that Monday, the two day swing, you wanted to at the very least go in and split, obviously going in and getting swept in that two games would really have sucked. It would have given Baltimore like a tremendous amount of confidence. And that's what the Blue Jays were avoiding this week. So they had two good starters go in Kevin Gosman masterclass, though he did have some difficult times with the umpire and that could have gone sideways. 
Yeah, and actually that was sort of Bo Bichette's first yeah. big moment of the series was actually coming in and getting in between Gosman and the umpire. Blue Jays starter called on a balk, and not only did he disagree with it, um, he vehemently disagreed with it. Yeah, like he was pissed. He he Kevin Gosman was ready to go and throw hands with the ump. He was walking, he looked heated, he looked fired up. Bo Bichette got in the middle, calmed him down. Gosman goes and tosses a gem. This series could have been so, so, so different. Yeah, Cosman got booted from that game. And what was it like the third inning, second inning? Like it was pretty early in the game. So it was that very early. Yeah. So that would have made things super ugly. But instead, the Jays got two quality starts from two of their veteran arms and mm-hmm. really set the tempo for the week. Man, I'm just watching it again. And he like beelined right off the mound and goes right at that umpire. Like that wasn't a sometimes you see. I, I'd kind of call it like fake outrage, right? Where a guy's just arguing a call, but he's just sort of yeah, running his back. Mouth. Hold me back. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Gosman was like legitimately yeah. pissed off on that play. Um, but that fueled them. Gosman, Barrios, they get our first up for this series. Bo Bichette comes in, make sure Kevin Gosman doesn't get too out of control. And then what does he do for the rest of the series? Well, it's the arrival of what people are calling Bo Timber. Because he's on an absolute roll. Coombs. People are saying Bo Timber, but I said from the Blue Jays Nation account that September is going to be the Bo Bichette redemption tour. Mm-hmm. This has been a difficult season for Bo. He hasn't heated up yet. Well, I mean, this is obviously yeah. his heat up, but so far previously in the season, we haven't had a stretch in which <laughs> Bo Bichette's gone nuclear. But yeah. like we've said in every single podcast, pretty much last little while, if Bo gets hot now, and into the playoffs, then we're going to forget pretty much what's happened the entirety of the season. And that's what we had in this series. Bo goes 10 for 19 (laughs) and hits four home runs against Baltimore, just lights them up completely. It's a completely different bow at the plate. It, yeah. he, he, he's taking balls. He's working counts. He's fouling pitches off. He just looks completely dialed in. It looks like he's ready to put what happened in the season before this behind him and have a huge month. His OPS over his last seven games is over six, 1.6. So like 1,600. Yeah, it's over 1,600. That's bananas. In his last seven games, so that's the Baltimore series and the Pittsburgh series, Bo Bichette is hitting 516. That's his batting average. He has five home runs in that span and just 31 ABs. More or less averaging, what, 0.8 home runs a game at this point. It's crazy the run he's on. We've obviously talked about him a lot throughout the season, generally in a negative way. A lot of people yep. growing tired of the Bobachet thing. But again, guys, any kind of player goes through prolonged bad stretches. Lots of players go through and have bad seasons sometimes. That mm-hmm. happens. But we said it on the last episode, Bobachet. Jose Barrios, we lumped into this as well, can totally change the narrative of his season with what he does down the stretch and into the playoffs. And I don't think we're going to see him hit 516 for the rest of the year, but he he's doing that right now. Like he was their MVP against Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what he's been so far in September. He had the yep. huge bases loaded hit against the Pirates as oh, yeah. well. So he comes into the first game of September, which is the first game of the Pittsburgh series with a 725 OPS for the season. Since then, they played seven games, three against the Pirates, four yep. against the Orioles. And his OPS is now up to 776. Like it's, 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 it's just one good week can just completely change everything. That's a pretty remarkable jump in, in just a seven day. It's span. huge. Yeah. Um, so Bobachet, without a doubt, gets our second up. Um, he was doing it with the long ball. He was doing it just ripping base hits as well. Uh, just doing it all. I think he had one error in that series, but other than that defense, fine. Like no complaints for, for what Bobachet did to carry them through a, 
especially the first three games of that series. In the fourth game of that series, it was an Alec Manoa start, and he cemented himself as a premier pitcher in baseball with the way he came out. It's a big game. You're trying to avoid just splitting against Baltimore, you know, kind of like a a two-game sort of swing in the standings, and Alec Manoa goes throws eight innings and only allows one earned run. Yeah, the third third game of the series, the Mitch White start, which we'll touch on, was a frustrating one for the Jays, and very easily, Baltimore could have come in and erased what the Jays accomplished on that fantastic Monday. You know, they win the Tuesday game. They could have come in on Wednesday, split the series, and they would be coming out of that series with all the momentum. They would have been the team feeling good. Hey, we can catch the Jays. But instead, Alec Manoa goes out and puts together, I think, probably his best start of the season. He goes eight innings, which is this is the second time he's done so all year. The first time was back in May against Cincinnati. He went eight innings, allowed one earned run. This game, he also goes eight innings and allows one earned run, but only on three hits. Three hits and one walk. Strikes out five. Just a dominant start. And again, the interesting thing about Manoa is we talked, we've been talking about this since August. Okay, he's reached a career high in innings. He's going to, his velocity is going to dip. He's going to start to struggle, but it hasn't happened. He just continues to get better as time goes along. And he's just showing like, he's showing that he's more of a, more of a pitcher than just some fireball thrower. Like he can put together excellent starts, even when he doesn't have his sharpest stuff, even if his velocity isn't that high or his slider is not clicking that much, he can still just grind through and dominate a team like the Orioles. His shortest start this season is five innings. That's incredible. Like that, that right there shows you the quality of his arm. Like, like you said, when he doesn't have his stuff for a lot of pitchers, when they don't have their stuff, it's loading up the bases with walks. It's giving up hard contact and you just can't get out of it. Right. You're out of the game in two and a third or three innings for Manoa. Even when he doesn't have his a stuff and maybe the fastball slider combo isn't working great. He just finds a different way to get through these jams. So again, his shortest start this inning or this season, and it's only happened twice where he's gone exactly five innings. He's pitched into the sixth inning in every other start he's had this year. He's now pitched into the eighth inning a total of five times, like you said, getting through eight innings twice this season. Um, It's a guy to, especially when you look like he always does well at Yankee Stadium, right? Big starts for him. He did well in that start in Pittsburgh where it was a homecoming for him. It was. He had a lot of family in the stands. Like It he, was a big game for him. It was a big game for him, but he gets up for it yeah. and he rises to the challenge. He's a guy who I just think going into the playoffs, if it's a must-win game, I almost pick... I I, I pick him over Gosman. You think so? It's a, it's a fantastic problem to for, have. For I mean. one reason, he got that dog in him. He does, he does have that dog. There's a reason we call him the big man. And it's not just because he weighs, you know, he's six foot six, 280 yeah. pounds. It's because he's the big man. He goes out to the mound and he puts together these huge, important starts. And it was the same thing. I remember when Marcus Stroman was here for years, everybody yep. was like, Marcus Stroman's fantastic in big games. He always comes through when the pressure is high. Alec Minow is the exact same. Yeah. And you're, you're not wrong. Once uh, the playoffs roll around, then that's probably your game one starter right there. I feel very confident with Alec Manoa going to the mound in all these games against September, no matter who they're playing or in what situation. So the next game he's scheduled to start, granted, they could still do some, some, maneuvering. Around, some maneuvering, and we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but his next start is likely going to be one of the two games in the doubleheader on Tuesday against Tampa Bay. Okay, well, when you're playing a doubleheader and you want to save your bullpen and save your big bullpen arms, having an Alec Manoa start where he can potentially get you eight innings, that's music to my ears. Like That's going to be a massive start for Manoa at the Dome against a team that you're chasing in a four-game series. His next start's going to be even bigger than his last, and that's a trend that'll likely continue for the rest of the season. The other thing with Manoa that I wanted to bring up is, man, I really want to just see them let him rip and go nine innings. 
I really want to see him complete a complete game. We talked about this on the last episode, but like you got to save his bullets at the same yeah, time. You the do, last thing you, you need do. is this guy to run out of gas in the wild card round. Yeah, like there's there 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 there's no reason to let Manoa pitch that ninth inning against Pittsburgh or the ninth inning against the Orioles when you're up by three runs. It's, yeah. it's unnecessary, but it would be cool. I mean, that's just the old school baseball fan in me. You know, yeah. growing up watching Roy Holiday go the distance as frequently as he did, I'd now really like to see Alec Manoa in a playoff hunt just do that. It would have been fun to see him do nine innings against the O's just to kind of have that. But y- you understand why they don't. But yeah, it, it, you're right, though. The Just the fan side and you wants sure. to see it. The uh, analyst side, if we can call it that, like, yeah, the, totally gets the, 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 the my head understands. But my heart is like, yeah. I would love to see Alec Manoa pitch nine. So when was the last time a Jay would have thrown? It would have been Stroman, I think, back in 2017 was the last time a pitcher threw a complete game. Maybe. Something like that. It, um, did Hinjin Ryu ever do it in 2020? Not in a nine inning game. Guess. I, I don't think he did though. Yeah. In so. a nine inning game, I think the last one to do it would have been Stroman that year. Um, anyways. Never we'll happens see. anymore. Like how many complete games have there been in baseball this year? Like 12? If that. I'm looking it up. It's just one of those things that's totally fallen off the the advent of like the nine inning. Yeah. Well, has there, there's been no hitters this year, right? There's been at least one, two. There's I, been a joined one. Yeah, there was a combined no hitter. Yeah, a combined no hitter. Oh no, Dylan Cease was near a no hitter, but he didn't complete it. He didn't finish it okay. off. Uh, complete games this season. Sandy Alcantara leads the majors with four. That's wild. That is actually like incredibly That's impressive. That's insane. In this um, day and age to do that. Only wild. two other starters have multiple complete games, and they're Framber Valdez and Aaron Nola, and uh, a total. How I fuck, I can't count that fast on live. Wainwright, Waka, Cindergard, Sandoval, Rodon, Pavetta, Perez, Montgomery, Mikolas, uh, Chad Cool, Green, Espino, Yavaldi, Detmers, Cueto, Corbin, Cease, Bueller, Bieber are the other ones. Okay. <laughs> I hope you all absorbed Bueller, that. Bieber. Yeah. Love that. The the top of the top for the most part, and then some other randoms mixed in there. But it actually was kind of an interesting collection of names that was pretty random. Yeah. Um, so anyways, hope everyone enjoyed me reading those incredibly quickly. Like I said, hope you absorbed them. Let's get to the down from this series sure. against Baltimore, starting with the one game they lost. And it was an ugly one for our friend Mitch White. He's since been sent down to Buffalo. Um, ah, I liked him his first few starts. I really did. Mm-hmm. He showed some good stuff. I still believe in this guy. I think next season... You can pencil him into a rotation spot, in my opinion, next year, especially if a guy like Ross Stripling ends up leaving in free agency because he gets a big bag from someone and all that. Right. Um, But right now, you probably can't trust Mitch White in a divisional start. No, not not in a big game. Like, I wouldn't want to see Mitch White. Well, I wouldn't love to see Mitch White making a start against the Rays. I wouldn't love it. So do you start him on Sunday against the Rangers because they have that as TBD? So if you go and you beat Texas games one and two. Do you yeah. start Mitch White game three because it's not an important divisional game and you give him one more chance to see if he sorted it out? Or do you think they sent him down because they want him to figure out his stuff at the AAA level and maybe play an important bullpen role come come late September? Yeah, it's hard to say because with Mitch White, um, in his starts, he can, even in his bad ones, he can more often get through the order the first time, right? Yeah. So maybe he's a once through the order, three innings guy. Yeah. And that's not terrible. You do Trevor Richards does an inning or two as an opener and then you bring in Mitch White. Um, Maybe that's the strategy. I don't know, but I think they should manipulate it. So you're not trying to toss Mitch White out there as a starter to face go through the raise order two or three times. I don't, I just don't think it's the right move. Like um, you need to have a shorter leash with him than you've been having. Yeah. Cause even in his good starts, he doesn't go that deep. Right. So his first three starts he makes, it's uh 
four and two thirds against the Twins, four and two thirds against Cleveland, four innings against the Yankees. And he was good there. So his combined ERA in his first three starts is 3.38. And then after that, his um, five innings against the Angels, he kind of had to wear that one allows seven runs, four and two thirds against the Cubs, six runs. Then his worst start was the one against Baltimore. It's only two and one third innings. So in all the, in all three of those starts, he's combined for a 13.5 ERA, though the FIP, the fielding independent pitching is down at 5.28. Yeah. It's still not very good, but his FIP all told with the Blue Jays is uh, down at 3.82. So he's probably closer to a four ERA starter than his 8.17 ERA as a Blue Jay would indicate. I would, I would venture. Okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they end up lining everyone up here in this Rangers series. Cause it probably won't be Mitch White on Sunday. We're probably going to get, Bullpen day. Maybe Casey Lawrence comes back up. Maybe more Kikuchi innings. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I mean, they clearly have some amount of trust in Yusei Kikuchi. They, they use him a lot. Yeah. Um, um, John Schneider brought Kikuchi into a leverage situation in that third game. Which was puzzling to me because Bass had thrown under 10 pitches. That was weird, yeah. And I just kind of said, I get that maybe you want the lefty-righty and all that, blah, blah, blah. But, eh. Yeah, not not necessarily know. ideal, but I mean, sometimes you can overthink those. Yeah, I guess situations like this, you kind of want to see what you have with them. At some point, you do have to try them out and see if it works. OK, the other team has a handful yeah. of lefties coming up. Let's see if this guy can actually be a lefty weapon. It didn't work. I can't imagine John Schneider is going to use UK, Yusei Kikuchi in a leverage situation again anytime soon. Maybe against Texas, probably not against the Rays. That would be my guess. I mean, you got to try, right? Yeah. So right now, Arden Zwelling tweeted this last night. Uh, Stripling's going to go Friday. Gosman's going Saturday. Mm-hmm. The debate would be Barrios is on the same amount of rest as Gosman because they pitched in the doubleheader. Do you go Barrios on Sunday or do you push Barrios one and put him out there Monday night against the Rays? Because then you could go Barrios and then you're going Manoa in one of the doubleheaders. Like, I don't think you can run a four man rotation with this doubleheader mix in there. One of these has to be a bullpen day. Yeah. One of them's definitely going either to have Sunday to be a against bullpen. Texas or one of the doubleheader games against Tampa. That's the challenge. So Sunday against Texas, you're like, ah, it's against yeah. Texas. It doesn't matter. We can punt this. It's not a two. It's not a two win game, right? Yeah. It's not, I guess in hockey, you'd call it a four point game, baseball, two win game, whatever. Yeah. Um, you don't want to burn out your entire bullpen right before you go into a series against Tampa. Right. Yeah. So maybe it is just a Casey Lawrence situation. You call him up and you're like, Hey so. man, no matter what you got to log four or five innings. I think so. I think, I think you, for lack of a better phrase, punt Sunday against Texas, try to just hope the bats win it for you. Try to hope Casey Lawrence gives you something you're not expecting. You rely on Richards to get you through the lineup once too. And, and maybe you find a way to just work through there because if you do go Barrios on Sunday, well, then you're pitching Manoa on Monday and then in the double header, what are you doing? Stripling on three days rest. Like that doesn't make sense. No, you Stripling have to push, and, yeah. You need yeah. to push someone. Here. You got to push back Barrios to Monday, do Manoa and one of the um, double headers because you need to win one of those. Cause yeah, this is a, this is a massive outrageous yeah. series with Tampa. And then they're all, this is five games all told. And on Thursday, they're also playing at 1 mm-hmm. PM Eastern time. So they play the night on Wednesday and then they play the afternoon, the following day. So this is going to be a fucking grind. 
Yeah, it is. I don't know if you can really necessarily set up your pitchers perfectly in this. I think the reality You might actually is, need to do two bullpen days mixed in. There. You might have to, yeah. Or you call up Mitch White again and roll the dice there. But you might just have know. to. That's the way she goes. Um, okay, we're still talking about the Baltimore series. We got derailed <laughs> a little bit there with all the rotation talk. Uh, but the one thing we have marked as a down for the series against the Orioles is Brian Baker just generally being kind of a weird guy. Um, I don't like... What's his beef with the roster on the Jays is what I don't get. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. And like it's for people who maybe aren't as plugged in on Twitter, this isn't an isolated incident. So Brian Baker running his mouth to Tay Oscar and then running his mouth and flapping his fingers, telling them to keep telling the dugout to keep talking. That causes the benches to clear in this series. And it's a big thing, but this has happened before. He's barked at Bichette. He's barked at Chapman already this year. He seems to have a weird beef with the Toronto Blue Jays. Granted, I don't know if he does this to other teams or not. Yeah. He's a former Blue Jay. But what are you mad at the players because the team didn't bring you back? I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. So for those who don't know, Brian Baker is one of the prospects the Jays got back all the way back in 2018 when they traded Seung Wan Oh to Colorado. So he's one of the prospects they had there. He was in their system at the end of that season, 2019, then the COVID year, he's at the alt site. And then last year, he puts up a pretty solid season for um, AAA Buffalo. He pitches 41 innings, has a 1.31 ERA. He gets a call up to the Blue Jays, only tosses one inning. And then he gets designated for assignment and claimed off of waivers by the Orioles in November ahead of the Jays doing their roster shuffle for what should have been the rule five draft. Yeah. So uh, maybe he's mad at the organization. Maybe he knew these guys in spring training and just didn't like them. I don't it's know. It's weird, man. He's probably just projecting. He's probably channeling some frustration that he thought he was a part of the team's plans and never really got much of a look. I mean, like yeah. I said, he pitched well in AAA and didn't get much of a look last year on the team at all. So maybe he's bitter about it and he's taking it out like he can't, you know, shout at Shapiro or Atkins when he's on the field. Right. So he's just taking it out on the guys in the Jays. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That gets it down for us. Uh, yeah, weird, weird, weird energy. Just dumb shit. Arash Madani had some pretty good insights into what the Jays dugout was saying about him, though. Um, and it was pretty good. Someone said something along the lines of, uh, isn't that or the only thing he ever did was win the March Madness pool or That's something like that, though? Sure. Like, is that an insult? No, not really. Um, but it's good stuff. Anyways, Brian Baker, you're a clown. Yeah. Do I have like a funny button I could play? No, I don't really. We're in the big studio, so usually Brian Baker, you're a clown. That's not that's even fun. That's not even appropriate. I like that. That's good. Oh, that one sucks. Sure. All right, we're moving on. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. recently. His numbers are spooky bad, Coomsey. They are. It's uh <laughs> we've traveled back in time to 2019 and everything he's hitting is on the ground. Yeah. He's uh in the month of September, he's gone four for thirty-two, which is it's shocking. I mean, I don't know. It's only a one week cold streak, but it's it's weird to see him kind of revert all the way back. This was such a thing that we talked about a few years ago. His uh, launch angle was yeah. wrong. He wasn't getting the ball up enough. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm honestly confounded. I thought when we had this conversation, I don't know, last year or two years ago or whatever it was, he had just sorted it out and it wouldn't be a thing again. But as we've talked about with Bo is... Um, progression of athletes is not linear and just yeah. because Vladdy had a fantastic 2021 that was pretty much flawless doesn't mean he's gonna have a great 2022 and he's still been okay but it doesn't mean he's gonna have a bad 2023 no it doesn't not at all it also doesn't mean he's gonna have a 
bad second half of September or bad player. No. I mean, he was just, he just had a really good streak in which he had a hit in what? 20, 19, yeah, 19 crazy. games in a row or something. And just because not every single yep. one's a dinger, doesn't mean he's not contributing. His defense has also been phenomenal as well. Yeah. Save that one play. Um, yeah, there was one, there was one fuck up. It was the ground ball that he probably could have dove and tried to knock down. It goes to the fence. It's a triple. They score runs, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, he's struggling right now. Like you said, it doesn't mean he's going to be bad for the rest of the year. Sometimes a switch just flips and, and you find yeah. a way to revert back like to what Bo. you're doing. Yeah. Like, like, just look at Bo, like you said, um, for me, it's, it's the amount of, I call them non-competitive swings. Yeah. Like it's a slider that is like starting on the outside edge and finishing a foot off the plate. And he's just kind of like waving at it with one hand on his bat by the end of his swing. And it's like last year, Vladdy didn't do that as much as he's doing it right now. So it's the non-competitive swings that are just driving me a little bit crazy. And also the lack of, you know, being able to be productive with runners in scoring yeah. position. That's just for me to shorten uh, up the swing and just maybe pop a single. Yeah. If, if you've lost your power, if you're not feeling confident, shorten up your swing. Look at what Alejandro Kirk did in this series. Uh-huh. He's a guy who struggled for a while. Yeah. He was cold for a while. We didn't No one was talking about it. Yeah. Almost because like the first half of the season was so surprising. The all-star that we all, I think collectively felt like, Hey, a cold streak's coming for Alejandro Kirk. It was maybe longer than we thought, but what was he doing against Baltimore? He was shortening it up, shortening it up and dropping him in there. Yep. You know, you don't need to hit one to the fence every time. And I think Vladdy is maybe a guy who could watch something like that and go, Hey, next time I'm up with runners in scoring position, I'm just going to shorten up the swing a little bit and see what happens because game one of this series he left three guys on base game two. He left four guys on base game three. He left one more on base as well. So, you know, you got, you got to figure that out. You'll probably all. turn it around though. That's, yeah, that's kind of the will. thing to learn with the bow situation is where like this guy's having terrible at bats. He's swinging at everything. And then all of a sudden something yeah. clicks and it works. I imagine Vladdy will turn it around. Yeah, it is what it is. And at the very least he's been very good defensively. Yeah. And that's always, uh, that's, that's good. I was chatting with our friend bagged milk and he asked me if Vladdy Guerrero jr. Could be in the mix for the gold glove this year. And I said, probably not. His defense has been good, but probably not at that level, but it's not like, it's pretty wild to think. It's not a crazy thing to say that in the next five years, he could win a gold glove. And two years ago, people would have laughed at you if you, if you said that. Absolutely. Like when he was coming up as a prospect, it was like, is this guy ever going to stand on the field? It was like, maybe this guy's kind of just like the long-term DH, but I mean, he made the switch over permanently in 2020 and it's been, you know, there was some hiccups. Remember at the beginning, he was always diving for balls he shouldn't dive for. And it was just kind of like the third baseman's approach to first base, but now he's been fantastic. He, you know, scoops and picks balls at first. There can be difficult throws that he catches like that one play he makes with Alec Manoa where he flips it around his back Bartolo Cologne style. Like that's, that's it's, it's good defense. And to Mm -hmm. be totally honest with you, I wouldn't be fully shocked at all if he did win this with, win the gold glove this year, or at least really? was, a, was a finalist. Yeah. Who are the other Hell first yeah. basemen around uh, the American league? Like I'm just trying to Anthony think. Rizzo. I don't know. Yeah. I mean like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't pay attention to the gold glove race that much, but no, it's I, one of those things you pay attention to for like two days when they yeah. announce the finalists and then you get outraged yeah. about something. And that's the thing is like the it's, it's selected by a bunch of managers, right? So yeah. you're going to have guys in the American league West who saw him play six times this year. Ryan Mountcastle could be in the mix. Maybe Yeah, try and decide who the gold glove is supposed to be. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. At the end of the day, we all know Vlad is good defensively at yep. first base and that's, that's, that's the win. Yeah, it is. Uh, all right, let's take a look around the American league here. Uh, the Yankees went out and they, uh, 
Swept the Twins. Swept the Twins. Um, That's what they do. The Twins and the Yankees, man. Like, I swear the Minnesota Twins haven't beaten the Yankees in a game in like a decade. <laughs> Some fucked up thing like that. Minnesota also hasn't won a playoff game in what was it, like 21 it's been a games? Very long time, yeah. That's nuts. Um, but yeah, so the Yankees have now won four in a row. They're up to five and five in their last 10. The other series that we're keeping an eye on, the Rays swept the Red Sox. The Mariners lost two of three to the White Sox. Um, but when you look at the last 10 games, the Mariners are still, I'd still consider them red hot. They're eight and two in their last 10. Mm-hmm. Tampa, Toronto, Seattle, all eight and two in their last 10. Someone is going to cool off. That is, All three of those teams will not stay hot for the next two weeks. No, it someone's cooling off. Just hoping it's not the Jays, obviously. Yeah. And we also have a big head to head coming up. Of course, there's Tampa and Toronto and obviously two teams can't be hot in that head to head. Yeah. I'm just looking. So the Jays obviously go Texas and then Tampa. Uh, The Mariners schedule is actually pretty interesting just with the amount of interleague play they have coming up. Mm. Um, They get Atlanta. They go San Diego. And then they go Angels, A's, Royals, so that's Rangers. The part, yeah. Well, their whole schedule is actually like, it's just so ridiculous that Jason That's what happens when you get to play in those fucking divisions, man. Right? So you get four against the Angels. Walk. Get three against the A's. Three against the Royals. Three against the Rangers. Oh, what do you get? Another series against the A's. Then you end the series season with four against the Tigers. They don't play a team above 500 after this series against San Diego for the rest of the season. So they finished all their games against Houston which is the only good team in that division yeah. beyond them. That's unfortunate. That sucks. That's uh, yeah. That's why the Jays are really going to have to take care of business against Tampa because they have no head to heads with Seattle. So there's not much they can really do about it. So by this time next week, like I said, the Mariners will be at a point in their schedule where they do not play a single team above 500 for the rest of the season where the Jays will play all but three <laughs> games against teams above 500. Yeah. It's just the Rangers now that are under 500, right? That's the only yeah. team left. Well, and um Boston, Boston is four two, games under 500. Yes, but so I mean, they could the Red Sox being a sub 500 team. That's kind of yeah. like, you know, they're not that bad. It's just, I mean, the schedule is not easy for the Jays. People know that. And it's no. just frustrating to see how easy it is for the Mariners. Granted, wins are never guaranteed, but I like that you said it highlights the importance of that Tampa Bay series because it's mm-hmm. going to be difficult to t- catch Seattle with their schedule the way it is. You need to take care of Tampa Bay. That is your hope to have a home no, they wouldn't. Well, you're, yeah, you're still not Seattle. getting. Yeah, you're still going to Seattle. That's an at that interesting point. thing to but talk that'd be about. Okay. Actually, would you rather finish third or second in the wild card race? Would you rather go and play the Central League team or go and be the second team and oh. either play in Tampa or Seattle? I would rather play the Central team. I'd rather play Cleveland. Cleveland's seven wins worse than Cleveland is two wins worse than Baltimore, and they're going to make the playoffs. Like I'm looking at the, the Central teams, and I'm like, oh geez, like there's some good wow. pitching here. The White Sox have good pitching. Cleveland has good pitching. Uh, if I'm going to play any of these teams, I'd like for the Twins to be the Central Division winner. Yeah, you could be the Twins. Uh, I think for the sake of fun, going into Seattle will be a blast. Yeah, going into Tampa, I don't think I would even watch it. I wouldn't watch a series of the trap. I watched it in 2020 and I want, I I would also take Minnesota over Cleveland because then you're avoiding the Shane Bieber aspect. I don't want to face Shane Bieber, but if you're the other team, you got to face Alec Manoa and Kevin Kevin Gossman. Yep. And And then the combination of stripling Barrios in game three, if it gets there. Well, that's the thing is you have, you probably start Barrios in game three and then you just have stripling ready to go. Yeah. As your arm that could come into any game, man. Oh, Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I kind of hope it does wind up being Seattle. It's not, it'd be cool. Yeah. Like I should be cheering for the Jays to finish and host the game, but I would love to see a can to take over of Seattle and Seattle's first playoff game since 2001. And then the garbage Rays 
yeah, the organization is. gets to play the you know, the twins will get in on the last day of the regular season and yeah. have to like burn their best pitcher to get there in like the last two and games and they'll just get swept in two games. But it's it. a series that nobody watches yeah. Tampa and Minnesota. It's <laughs> cold sucks. as hell in Minnesota. This is boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three one games. Uh, all right. Okay. We're going to step aside for a quick break and then we're going to get set for the upcoming series against the Rangers. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Coombsy, it is a weekend three gamer that starts on Friday against the Texas Rangers. This is a Rangers team that is not that good. They are one in nine in their last 10 games. Like we said, this marks the final easy spot on the Toronto Blue Jays schedule. You need to take care of business. You need to sweep this series. Anything less failure. Yeah, we haven't seen the Rangers since all the way back at the start of the season. Opening mm-hmm. day, Jose Barrios had a complete implosion. The Jays went down a million to nothing in the second inning, and then they came back and won the game 10 to 8. And that was insane. The Jays picked up another win uh, the following day after that, 4 3. And then Texas came back and beat them 12 6. Yeah. This feels like ancient history. This feels like this happened six years ago. <laughs> it does. It's insane. This was just a few months ago. It feels like a different lifetime. But yeah, like you said, the Rangers are far from good. They're 59 and 77. They have some okay pitchers, but their yeah. offense, there ain't much going on there. It's it's interesting to me that Martin Perez has kind of just come full circle and become their ace. It's it's very out of the blue. Mm-hmm. He has a 2.82 ERA after putting up a 4.74 and a 4.50 ERA in Boston the past couple of years yeah. when he was with. I mean, you may or may not remember because I, I think he pitched in the ALDS against the Jays in 2015. That was one of the ones they won in Texas. He was a yeah. back of the rotation starter at that time. Now suddenly he's become good. Very random. Uh, their offense ain't very good. 
it's kind of funny. They went and spent half a bill on Marcus Semyon, Corey Seager, and both players have an OPS under 800 this year. Corey Seager's. Remember what everyone was, oh, you got to bring back Semyon, got to find a way to bring back Semyon. Yeah. It was like, hey, even if you bring back Marcus Semyon, you were not replacing his production. No. Like he, everyone knew he wasn't doing that again. He's still been good, to be fair. Like, Marcus Semyon's been a good player, according to baseball reference. Semyon ranks second on the team and wins above replacement at 4.4, and Corey Seager ranks uh, third at 3.5. So, you know, never a bad mm. thing to go and sign a big free yeah, agent, yeah. but... No, going back to the Marcus Semyon talk, the season that he had last year, it's hard to imagine he would ever do that again, but still a very good player, obviously. But uh, So game one, Dane Dunning is going to get the ball for the Rangers. Uh, in his last three starts, he's pitched 14 innings and allowed 11 earned runs, giving up 22 hits in the process and walking five, six batters. Uh, in game two, it's going to be Kohei Ari, Arihara, 30 year old. Uh, he's only pitched or he's only started four games this year for Texas. Um, hasn't been great by any stretch. He's had a couple of okay outings or he's had one really good outing. And then you mentioned it. Martin Perez is going to get the series finale on Sunday. That's concerning because it's Perez going up against what we are assuming is going to be a blue Jays bullpen day. Um, but Perez was lights out earlier in the season. His numbers have taken a bit of a hit recently. Um, in the month of August, his ERA rose from 2.47 to 2.89. He had a wow. 4.24 ERA in the month of August. Okay. So yeah. like, you know, he he's not pitching as well as he was earlier on in the season. Probably running out of gas a little bit. But there. he did just go seven strong and only allow one earned run against okay. Houston. So he, he's still got some stuff. That's concerning. So, game three is concerning. That's all. Yeah, That's my so take. So the thing to look at here is get the job done in game one and two. You have Stripling and Dane Dunning, Gosman going up against yeah. this guy who's made four starts at the big league level and has a five point one six ERA or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You got to take You got to capitalize in those two games because the Martin Perez game is going to be a tough one on Sunday. Yeah, that's what you need. All right. Well, let's see if the Jays can get it done. Uh, shout out to our friends at points bet Canada. They'll have all your odds up. If you are a sports better in Ontario. Also shout out to our friends at DoorDash proud sponsor of the pod promo code BJN pod DD gets you 25% off. No delivery fees on your first order. Coomzy. We didn't talk about Nate Pearson. Oh yes, we did. Yes. We want to do this All right. We completely forgot that Nate Pearson appeared in Buffalo on Thursday. Okay. We're recording this right now. And he pitched a scoreless inning with a strikeout. Who do you face? Uh, he faced, oh fuck. I just had this up. Jake Marisnik. It was, it was Ozzy Albies is on a rehab stint. And then he Mm -hmm. struck out Jake Marisnik. And then he also got Hernan Perez to fly out to center field. Getting Hernan Perez to fly out. That's not something just anyone can do. This is Nate Pearson going up against some big leaguers. Ozzy Albies, Jake Marisnik. Sure. These are, these are real guys. So how many more times do you want to see him come out of the pen in Buffalo till he's up here? That's a good question because knowing Nate Pearson, he can throw exactly 32 pitches a year and he probably just threw 10 or 12 or whatever in Buffalo. So maybe just call him up now and use his bullets. See what happens. I'd give him one more start or one more appearance. One, one more, appearance? more appearance, shake off the cobwebs. You're ready to go. Let's get him in the bullpen up here. You just need to catch lightning in a bottle for like five weeks with yeah. this guy. And he could be a very valuable part of your bullpen. <laughs> Screw it. Bring him up for Sunday. Make him the opener Sunday against yeah. Texas. That's what I'm thinking. Why not? Like you have a, you have kind of an open day to fuck around there. Maybe give him and Meriwether some innings. See, see what happens. It'd be fun. <laughs> Down eight, nothing after the pretty third. electric. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what ends up happening. I'm not betting on a Pearson appearance this weekend, uh, but I will say, I bet you we get one before the end of the year for sure. He'll be up. Here's my take. I'm going to be in Toronto watching them against uh, Baltimore coming up. I get, I'm going to be there on the 16th and 17th. I'm going to bet you I see Nate Pearson pitch live. Do you think so? And I'll post some content. Yeah? yeah. You think he's going to pitch well? Do you believe? Yeah, I believe. You believe? I'm on the, I'm on the Pearson train now, Coombsy. You convince me. I'm going to go and watch <laughs> f- 
videos of him pitching in that meaningless game in the playoffs against Tampa when they're already losing by a oh. bunch and he was really good yeah. to get me hyped up about Nate Pearson. All right. Okay, let's get hyped up for the series against Texas. Uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Eastern, then a 2.30 Eastern on Sunday to wrap it up. Enjoy the series, and we'll be back on Monday morning to get you set for a big four-gamer, a five-gamer against the Tampa Bay Rays. That's so fucked. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 